Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. we got a great show for you today. Instead of the usual Thursday matchups podcast, we'll push it back till tomorrow. And today will be our Behind Enemy Lines segment with Vincent Verhey of Football Outsiders. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and the Android app. And check out my work over at PackerReport.com, which is home of the world's best preview. Packer Report members yesterday received a 15% discount on tickets. Today, down to 10% discount on tickets. Still a great way to get into Lambeau Field for a Sunday contest against Seattle. Also, Packer Report members receive a 10% discount on our shop at Fanatics.com. And new and renewing annual members, you get Sports Illustrated. So, Pack Report really is the gift that keeps on giving. Before I get rolling with the Behind Enemy Lines segment, a few notes from Lambeau from Wednesday. First, Nick Perry, to use Mike McCarthy's words, a significant injury to his left hand. He will not play against the Seahawks on Sunday, and he'll be reassessed on Monday to determine uh, if he can play against the Bears. Obviously a huge loss for the Packers, maybe not on par with Earl Thomas being out for the Seahawks. But still, he was... They're leading Sacker with eight, clearly their best run defender. And he's a guy that he's going to go up against George Fant. We talked about this yesterday. He to wore him out. The power of, I mean, Fant is a 298-pound college basketball player. Perry would have wore him out over the course of the game. And so he, he, he's, his being out is a big loss. Here's, the, here's what it looked like in practice on Wednesday. We'll go in numerical order. Inside Jake, inside linebacker Jake Ryan, watching on a knee. Inside linebacker Blake Martinez, watching on a knee. Um, outside linebacker Kyler Fackrell, standing there watching. Outside linebacker Clay Matthews, riding a bike. Outside linebacker Julius Peppers, watching from a bike. Um, obviously, the first four guys from that lister have injuries. Peppers was just being arrested. Um, eventually, Martinez did come back and do some individual reps. Um, and, and also, cornerback Ladarius Gunter out with illness, so at least I'd hope he'd be ready to go for Sunday. But I mean, that, that's a lot of a lot of key players um, watching on Wednesday. Um, at least they got back TJ Lang, the Packers' right guard, uh, said he sustained a broken foot during the first quarter of the Tennessee game, and that's why he's missed the last three games. I, I'm going to assume he misses this game as well. And that this week is the week to get him ready for next week when he moves back into the starting lineup. So I, I would assume it'll be Jason Spriggs once again. And Jason Spriggs against Michael Bennett on passing downs. That's going to be a difficult matchup for the Packers. One of many difficult matchups for the Packers. And speaking of matchups, 
Let's go to the Behind Enemy Lines segment with Vincent Verhey, an editor at Football Outsiders and our guy with Locked On Seahawks. All right, this is Bill Huber from Locked On Packers and Packer Report with Vincent Verhey, an editor at Football Outsiders and the man with Locked On Seahawks. How are you doing tonight? Very good. How are you doing, Bill? Real good, thanks. Um, I guess we'll start with the easy one here. What's what's the impact on, on the defense without Earl Thomas? Uh, that's Well, we're going to find out. Um, he, uh, since Earl was drafted in 2011, he was the second pick in the uh, uh, Pete Carroll John Snyder regime after Russell Okung, and he had not missed a start until uh, two weeks ago against Tampa Bay, and he played 17 snaps against Carolina before breaking his leg, and now, of course, he's out for the year. And uh, since... Since he was drafted in 2011, the past uh, six, almost six years now, uh, the Seahawks lead the league in fewest points allowed, fewest yards allowed, fewest touchdowns allowed, um, and specifically uh, deep, uh, deep middle completions allowed. Uh, they've got 40-some. Everyone else is 60 or more. So he's been a huge impact over his half-dozen-year career. And the backup player they have behind him is a guy named Stephen Terrell, mm-hmm. who... Played at Texas A&M. Uh, he was at the pro day and put up pretty, really, actually, really good uh, athletic metrics. His, his forty-yard dash and his vertical leap and his uh, broad jump were all actually much better than Earl Thomas's. Um, and but he's about the same size too. He's, just, he's a smaller guy. Uh, but then, of course, he went undrafted. And doing research for him this week, uh, it's hard to even find draft profile information. So he was not on anyone's radar when he came out of college in 2013. Uh, he played. He was briefly on. I think he was on Jacksonville's practice squad for pretty much that whole year in 2013. And then in 2014, he was briefly on the Texans roster, and then Seattle picked him up. And he's kind of been back and forth between the practice squad and active roster since then. And uh, he got the starting as Tampa Bay when Earl was out. He ended the game in Carolina where Earl left, and now he's your starting free safety for the Seattle Seahawks uh, as long as they're alive. Okay, how do you do in that limited playing time? The very first play against Carolina, uh, for those of you who are watching Sunday Night Football, you may have seen this. Uh, Earl was going for the ball, broke his leg, he's out. The very next play, the Panthers threw a deep pass down the middle of the field, and it was a touchdown to Ted Ginn. Um So, obviously, that <laughs> his short-term impact was huge. Um, <laughs> after that, though, there was no... There was no uh, he was, you know, there was no impact. I guess uh, there was there were no more parade of deep balls or anything. Uh, the Seahawks pretty much beat Carolina down from there on out, and it's not like he was making mistakes left and right against Tampa Bay either. So, you know, he, he, it's, you can't say that uh, uh, an All-Pro player like Earl Thomas, a Hall of Fame caliber player like Earl Thomas, when he goes out, you can't say there's not going to be an impact. But so far, the impact has been minimal. It's really been just been that one play. What is it about that defense, do you think, that I mean, they just plug guys in? I mean, they've gone through, I mean, how many guys have started a corner opposite Sherman, for example? You know, Brandon Browner, and it seems like, you know, it's a different start every couple of years, and, they, and they, it always pans out for them. Is it just because they have so many star players that they can absorb some, quote-unquote, lesser guys? What do you think that is? There's a lot of things to talk about with the Seahawks defense. Um, part of it is they recognize their stars, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Bobby Wagner, Michael Bennett, they keep those guys around. Um, and the, the other guys they, they have, they're not going to overpay a guy just to keep him. If, if he gets a better offer than they think he's worth, they're very comfortable letting a guy walk and wishing him luck and congratulations on his new deal. And I think part of that is because 
uh, Pete Carroll had such success at USC, where turnover is just part of the game. I think they're just, they're just comfortable saying uh, we're gonna we're not, we're not gonna pay a guy more than he's worth just for the sake of continuity. We don't fear change, and that gives them a leg up maybe in finding guys even before these weaknesses and these holes open up. Okay, um, I guess I'll go to the, I want to go to talk about your your offense. Um, I think if you're the Packers, what gives you at least a glimmer of hope is the C, the Seahawks old line on paper isn't very good. I know they got a undrafted rookie at left tackle, and you know they got a, you know they have a rookie at guard. And I guess how how is that group performed? I guess because if you just look at the names, it's not very good. But how how was the performance? No. <laughs> No, you look at the names, it's not very good. If you look at the games, it's even worse. <laughs> um, they, uh, I, I forget the numbers now, but they're going into the year. Their total cap hit for the offensive line was something like eight or nine million for ten players. <laughs> so they, they just went dumpster diving for offensive linemen this year. Um, they, they paid most most of their money went to the secondary, and they just said we're just going to get by with warm bodies and rejects at this position. So you got, you know, their starters entering the year were uh, Gary Gilliam, a college tight end who had played tackle for, well, he was a tackle last year for Seattle. Uh, Bradley Fowle, who came off Arizona's bench to be put in that left tackle. Um, Justin Britt's the center now. He was a failure at right tackle as a rookie in 2014. He was a failure at left guard in 2015. Seems to have actually found a home at center in uh, 2016. Um, the right guard is Jermaine Assetti, a first-round rookie. He was absent for the first couple of games, but since he's been since he's uh, been healthy and back, he's been uh, at times I don't want to say dominating, but what, what, there's there's times of hope to just block guys into the end zone for, for 20, from 20, 20 yards away. Um, the left guard is a guy named Mark Lewinsky, who is uh, a 2015 fourth rounder, getting his first real playing time this year. Um, the tackles are the, the the biggest question marks. The interior line. Uh, one thing's got going is actually played, played pretty well for the most part. Um, but a tackle, I talked about Gilliam and Fowl. Uh, George Fant has won Fowl's job, a left job. And if you've never heard of George Fant, that means you're like, like most, most people. <laughs> um, he, he is an undrafted rookie. He played, I think, two games of college football total and zero games of high school football. He was a, a basketball player, a power forward at a, a Western Kentucky. And uh, at some point, he realized he was not going to make the NBA. And he, he's a big, big athletic man. He thought, let me give this pro football thing a try. And he got into it thinking he might be able to be a, a tight end convert, a la Jimmy Graham and Antonio Gates. And Seattle looked at him and said, we don't, well, A, we, a, we have a tight end. But B, a guy with your size and your athleticism, we think you'll make a good lineman. And uh, he entered the lineup when the fellow got hurt against Arizona in, the, the, in that tie game out in the desert. And... Uh, He's held his own. I'm not, it's not a Cinderella story. It's not like he's going to be a Hall of Famer or an All-Pro or anything like that. But for for a spot that was ha- having all kinds of problems all uh, throughout the year, part of the year, he's definitely been a big improvement. And he's still there's still times when you watch and you realize this guy has literally no idea what he's doing or where he's supposed to be. <laughs> but uh, when he when he puts it all together and when he, when he gets his assignment right, he, he he held his own. So for about a month or six weeks. It was as bad as as bad an offensive line as I've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, they looked like they had no talent, and they looked like they had no cohesion, and they were just lost. And every single play was relying on either Russell Wilson or whoever was a running back. They had to break a tackle just to make the just to make the offense function, let alone you know, drive down the field. 
Um, since then, since about uh, after about week five or week six, things settled down and were much better. Uh, they looked like just an average unit. And then in Tampa, uh, the Tampa Bay game, among the many players missing, uh, was was Justin Britt the center. And when when he went out, suddenly everything went to hell again. It was like it was back in week one; they were starting all over. Uh, and they played better last week against Carolina, obviously. So, to answer your question, <laughs> it's kind of a long-winded way to answer your question. But uh, so far, cross your fingers, knock on wood. It's a functioning offensive line, but it, 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 at any minute, it, it's it's rickety and precarious, and disaster can strike at any time. It's unbelievable. You know, I look at, at Green Bay's O line, where they they just paid their left tackle, you know, a, a boatload of money. Um, their their right guard T.J. Lang makes a boatload of money. The right tackle Brian Balaga makes a boatload of money. Until they got rid of Josh Sitton in the uh, at the end of training camp, he made a boatload of money. It, it's it's interesting how teams allocate the resources. I mean, there's no right way or wrong way. I mean, Green Bay is good with a highly paid O line, and Seattle's good with dumpster diving. It, it is it is remarkable how that works out, isn't it? It really is. And this year, this 2016, the general theme of the year across the league is there are no great teams. Every team has at least one obvious glaring weakness, and they just try to cover it up somewhere else. For Seattle, it's the offensive line. For Green Bay, at least going into the year, I know it was, it was linebacker. Um, uh, Carolina was chasing away their top cornerback to save the yeah. Bucks. New England traded away their best linebacker, <laughs> and, and they traded away their pass rusher before that. It was really weird, and we've kind of seen it uh, come to roost. Every team you look at has some blatant, glaring flaw. Uh, I guess the one exception to that might be Dallas so far, but I don't, I don't trust their pass rush or secondary really to get them uh, deep into the playoffs. So uh, somebody's got to win, but I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> what is uh, what is Thomas Rawls meant to him? I know he had a obviously he was good enough that they got rid of Kristen Michael, um, whose Green Bay is happily grabbed up. Um, but what, what, what has he added to the mix there, now that he's back? Uh, more tackle-breaking, for sure. Um, and that, you know, for, for years, Marshall Lynch and this team, uh, when the running back breaks the tackle, even if it's only just a five- or six-yard gain, it really does seem to boost the whole offense. Uh, it really, uh, you know, it's kind of cliche and cheesy to say, but it seems to give the team momentum. Um, and he brings that an element, uh, that kind of element that Michael didn't, did not bring. Um, he has more lateral movement. Uh, I think he saw in his long touchdown run against Carolina last week. He had a, you know, I think the, the, the play was almost designed to go up the middle, and he kind of cut right and then found this open field and was off to the races. Um, I think there's just a little bit more reliability, a little bit more um, energy, I think a little bit more um, uh, motivation and momentum. I keep going back to that word. but uh, it, it, And he hasn't played much this year, and he has not been as dominant as he was as a rookie last year, we had five or six great games, but, uh, you know, hopefully he can get back on track for Seattle here, uh, which will be tough because I know Green Bay's run defense at least early in the year was outstanding. It was. Um, it's kind of gone to heck here of late, but they are just so they are just so beat up with injuries. Um, at practice on Wednesday, um, starting outside linebacker Clay Matthews was riding a bike. The other starting outside linebacker Julius Peppers was sitting on a bike. Um, Peppers is starting because Nick Perry, their standout outside linebacker, has a broken hand and is out for a week, four weeks. Um, inside linebacker Jake Ryan was sitting on a knee. And the rookie inside linebacker Blake Martinez uh, watched the jog through stuff and then tackled a dummy a few times. Um, they've got 10 linebackers on the roster. Four of them actually practiced today, full go. And one of those, and, you know, a couple of those guys aren't actually players. They're just kind of, you know, 
53rd guy in the roster sort of guys. So they 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 are a mess. It's uh, it is unbelievable. It's impacted things where, you know, three or four weeks ago they were they were number one in the league against the run. Then Jake Ryan went out, and they gave up a probably gave up a 75 yard touchdown to Demarco Murray, and then. The Redskins game the next week, uh, both Ryan and Martinez were out, and uh, Rob Kelly ran for 66 at the end of the game. And last week against the Texans, they kind of had they had, they bottled up Lamar Miller pretty well, but you know their their number two and three guys got some play runs on draw plays for some yards. So what has been a really good run defense has kind of slipped a bit, and they're and they're just so beat up. It's I mean if they can't stop. Uh, the running game, I, I don't see how they have a prayer um, because Wilson's so good play action wise, isn't he? I mean, that, that's his thing, right? He's very good at play action, um, and his uh, mobility seems to be back too over the past three or four weeks. Um, you know, in, in week one, and Dominican Sue stepped on Russell Wilson's ankle, and then he had a, uh, and that, that almost immediately, um, you, you could see the effect immediately, and it got worse a couple weeks later when he got tackled against San Francisco. and and uh, pulled against his knee, and for for the first half of the season, uh, it was not the Russell Wilson that you're used to seeing. And he's still a very good passing quarterback, but the, what makes him special is his ability to slip to, to slip tackles in the backfield and keep plays alive and give the receivers a chance to get open way down the field. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the play fake, the bootleg, and the scramble, all that stuff seems to be back. And uh, that's great news for us, and, uh, and and bad news for for Green Bay. Hopefully, uh, but um, what I what I and I, I haven't watched a ton of Green Bay this year, um, but it seems like they have their pass rush is still very good. But when the but when the pass rush doesn't get there, the secondary is having big trouble. Is that, is that accurate? Oh, uh, that would be very fair. Yeah, again, it's it's injuries where the number one corner Sam Shields suffered a concussion in week one, and his career is probably over. Um, that elevated everybody up a rung. And their, last year's first-round pick, Demarius Randall, he had groin surgery and missed, I think, five games. He's kind of like a, about a three-quarters of the time player right now, so we're kind of easing him back into it. Um, Quentin Rounds, our number two draft pick last year, he missed three games with a groin injury and really was slow getting back from that. So all that is left an undrafted rookie by the name of Ladarius Gunter as their, number one, as their number one corner. And he's... Uh, Gunter, yes, and he ran at the combine last year. He ran his forty in almost four point seven seconds, which is not oh. not really what you want from your corners. He's actually played pretty well most of the He was just killed against Washington in that Monday night game, and you know he got killed in the Dallas game. But he's bounced back pretty well, so he's kind of been their best guy. And Randall Rounds are kind of feeling their way through things. It's gonna, you know, if they can't stop the run, I, I don't see how they're gonna have much success against. Against uh, Baldwin and Curse, who have torched better Green Bay secondaries than than they're going to face on Sunday. Yeah, this year uh, it, it, it's kind of strange because they really, really it seems like they're forced feeding the ball to Curse early, and it generally hasn't been working. <laughs> but uh, when when the when the dust clears at the end of the day, it's usually uh, Baldwin and Jimmy Grant by a mile leading them in receiving, and it, it's really been largely a two man crew for Seattle this year that way. It's taken, it took Graham a while to fit in, but it, that seems like that's that's worked out pretty well for the Seahawks, eh? Yeah, the long term was. I, it was kind of overrated uh, as, as a failure last year. Um, when the, when he was hurt, he was still leading the team in receiving. So it's not you can't say it was like a total disaster even before the injury. Um, I know a lot of people were saying it was uh, you know 
it was the, the Vikings trading 14 picks for, <laughs> for Herschel Walker or whatever. Uh, anyway, but yeah, he, he's come back much, much better and faster from his uh, torn patellar tendon than most people were expecting, and he's really been spectacular. And, and, and last year there were flashes of brilliance. Um, this year it's been way more consistent. It seems like almost every game he's making at least one big catch to either just move a big catch in yardage or a big third down conversion or ideally a big catch in the end zone. Although the red zone, uh, they're still having some trouble in the red zone, to be honest. But uh, it, it, he's definitely been, you, you can see why they went out and got him last year by, way, by how he's played this year. Yeah, that's going to be a sore spot for Green Bay, too. I mean, they, week after week, they've been beaten up by tight ends. I go back to the Tennessee game where Delaney Walker ate him up. And then, you know, even last week where it was uh, uh, Houston, C.J. Fedoris, and Ryan Griffin, a couple of productive guys, not exactly uh, elite guys, but they've been productive. And they I think they combined for about 10 catches in a snowstorm. So they've, I, I, I would think that's going to be a, a problem area for, for Green Bay I, for, for, uh, on Sunday. Let's talk a little bit about Green Bay's offense and uh, how they've changed this year. Um, I know they were really disappointing by the end of 2015, uh, especially missing Jordy Nelson out with a torn ACL. Uh, how does he look coming back, and how has that changed the offense overall? He looks good, but he looks good in, in a different way. I go back to 2014. He had more touchdown catches of 59-plus yards then 30 of the other 31 teams had 59-yard passing plays total. I mean, I don't care if they scored or not. I mean, he was a one-man uh, gang of big plays. And they, they missed that last year. They, don't, they, they had no game-breaking kind of guys last year. And he's still not back to that. I mean, he, I mean he's not going to beat anyone in a 40-yard dash at this point. He's, you know, maybe, maybe that speed will come back next year. But Nonetheless, he's on pace for 90 catches, 1,200 yards, and 13 touchdowns. He's having a great year in a, in a different way where he's, you know, I, I don't know if he's become a better route runner or, or what the deal is, but, you know, he's still getting open. It's a lot of the intermediate stuff, and he, he's, he's a big guy, so he's hard to tackle. So he's, he's making plays. It's just not 60-yard touchdowns anymore. It's a lot of 8 and 10 and, you know, some 20s mixed in. So he's played pretty well. But still, they have really no deep passing game. Um, you know, Nelson's not fast. Devonta Adams not fast. Randall Cobb is quick but not fast. It, 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 it seems like the, the, their old plan was Nelson to go deep and everyone else to be kind of a catch and run guy. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't they don't have it now. It's now it's catch and run, and that's left at Rodgers at times, waiting for guys to get open that aren't open because teams are just choking off the underneath stuff. Right. Um, getting Jared Cook back, who's kind of their Jimmy Graham, that I think that's going to help because he can run. Um, and they've gotten some, they've made some hay with the really short passing game with with uh, Ty Montgomery, a receiver who's played running back. So they made some hay on that, and and Devontae Adams has had a, had a real breakout year where he's becoming a guy where even if he's covered, they'll throw him the ball. So they, they're 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 picking up steam offensively, but they, I mean they haven't played a defense like this obviously all year. No, I know Adams uh, as a rookie, and then even more as a sophomore, he was a huge disappointment. But it looks like he's turning kids around too. Yeah, last year was he injured an ankle week two uh, against uh, Seattle. No, it was week two against. Well, maybe it was Kansas City. Uh, that's a lot year ago. But he, he either he either injured against Seattle and aggravated it against KC, or the other way around, and it just ruined him. I mean, he was. I mean, you know, I mean, if, if, if you if you can't push off and cut, you're not a whole lot of good as a receiver. So he had just a completely awful year. I mean, if you look at 
his yards per target and catch rate, I mean, it was like all-time bad, like NFL history bad for a starting receiver. But, you know, he's healthy this year. The conference is up. His conference is up, and so is the quarterback's conference in him. And he looks like the guy that they drafted a couple years ago for sure. Um, back to your defense, just how underrated is that is that linebacker tandem of, of Bobby uh, Wagner and K.J. Wright? Because they, the stats are just great. And, but I know everyone focuses on Sherman, and it's easy to focus on Michael Bennett, but that linebacker core is just tremendous. Yeah, they do kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes, because partly because the secondary gets most of the attention for the defense, uh, partly because they're stars in the defensive line, too, and Michael Bennett is not just a star on the field, but he's a quote machine off the field. Yes, he is. He's on our conference call today. He was great. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> he's, he's pretty much always worth listening to, no matter the subject. Meanwhile, Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright, they don't necessarily have a lot to say in interviews, but they just go out and play excellent football every single week. And, uh, and the other thing is, because they're not necessarily pass rushers, they don't put up the big sight numbers, that doesn't give them a lot of, doesn't give them a lot of attention, too. But they're both all-around, you know, classic linebackers. They, they fill the gaps, they make the tackle on the runs, uh, they, they chase down the running backs and tight ends in coverage. Um, Seattle plays, uh, by and large, they play a really conservative scheme, so they count on the linebackers to make a lot of tackles on reception. And that, that usually works out for the best. And, uh, uh, Bobby Wagner, last I checked, was still leading the league in tackles, which is, you know, we kind of argue how much of that is worth. Um, <laughs> well, for a, safety, for a linebacker, if you're leading the league in tackles, it's a great thing. If you're a safety, you usually need, of course, your defense is bad and guys are getting through the first and second line. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, no, they, they are two excellent all-around players, and uh, they, they don't necessarily get the, the, the hits in the backfield with the sacks, but they're... Uh, they make tackles and running backs, and they don't let uh, receivers get by them either. All right, Vincent. Packers, Seahawks, Sunday at Lambeau Field. Who's going to win? Uh, my Well, uh, probably Seattle. Uh, Green Bay is the more desperate team, and that makes me a little nervous. They're at home, and uh, they're fighting for their lives, whereas Seattle, it's, they're not, it's not mathematical they're going to win the division, but it's pretty dang close. Um, but I think I'll still stick with, I'll still stick with Seattle. Uh, I have faith that defense will be able to get by, even with a backup safety. Uh, if we're going to do points, let's call it 24-17. Yeah, I'm going to go 24-10 Seattle. I, I'm just not buying Green Bay's offense. They can't run the ball. And if you're going to throw the ball against Seattle's defense for a living, good luck with that. And I, I, don't, I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in the ability to, to hold Wilson um, and, and those receivers down for too long. I'm going to go 24-10 Seattle, and Green Bay season is probably over, and Seattle takes a big step toward uh, at least getting that first round by. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> All right, Vincent, I appreciate it, and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Thanks a lot, and remember, everyone, check out Locked on Seahawks for more on the Seahawks, Locked on Packers for more on the Packers, Locked on NFL, Locked on Fantasy, and for God's sakes, if you're a football fan, go to Football Outsiders. Amen. All right. Thanks, Vincent. Take care. Thank you, sir. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.